Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Viriel USA podcast. This is Alan, and I'm joined by Robin. Good evening, sir. Good evening from a very cold England. From a very cold, I know you're close. It's the coldest in what, 15, 20 years, something like that? Yeah, it's crazy. I'm sitting here with my, with my heaters and my dressing gown, and I'm in Yorkshire, which is famous for putting up with the cold, shall we say. So right. I feel ashamed to be Yorkshire. Yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, I know you guys are supposed to walk both ways uphill and in, in all the snow and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're basically the Vikings of the UK, but uh. right. <laughs> and and then I'm really delighted that um, we were able to get Roel on this time from from sunny. Well, it's it's almost midnight there, so not sunny, but from lovely Spain. Welcome to you. Hi. It's not it's not uh, freezing there, is it? Now, today, it was hot. It was hot. Yeah. That's like, kind of uh, uh, weird. Uh, the weather here is a bit crazy. Some weeks, you have some cold. Other days, you have hot weather. And other days, not. About twenty-two degrees during the during the day, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, we could talk about the weather, but we probably <laughs> need to talk about <laughs> something that's been about as interesting as the weather of late. Um, okay, so we went into this uh, as Sid and I talked last week. You know, this was going to be the portion of our season that we hoped was going to push us on to glory, and instead we're Tons of injuries, um, but just a lot of draws. I mean, we haven't lost much, it's true, but we haven't won much either. And um, the question, I guess, that we, the questions we struggled with, and I think all of the Real fans are struggling with, is are the injuries, um, is there something that we're not doing or is it just bad luck or is it just or is there something we're not doing in terms of avoiding these muscle injuries in terms of our treat our uh, program of of uh, training and so forth and the other question is so even leaving aside the injuries could we be doing more than we're doing and i don't know robin you want to start with your thoughts on those things yeah, it's um, just say I really liked your podcast with with Sid. It was really interesting to, to listen to it. I think you really, really covered that both well. Just just throwing that out there now before this one starts. But um, yeah, in terms of injuries, it, it's one of those things that's that's got worse. So when it first happened, we were thinking, oh well, you know, this this will improve over time, um, and it wouldn't be so bad. But the, the more we get into it, the more each each game practically we're losing players it's a bit ridiculous really I mean some of the people that have gone out like Coughlin for example it's it's a real shame for him because he was really starting to shine a bit you know he was doing what Emery wanted of him he wasn't going on stupid runs forward and he was being real strict in terms of that challenge that he was taking out it it's one of those ones where I think it, it was a it was a bit of a difficult challenge but you would ex- suspect you would expect not to be injured just by that and it was quite a conclusive injury wasn't it it was out for a whole month mm-hmm. I mean, we we were discuss, discussing this on a group and I don't know how how many people feel about this if they're listening but we were looking at maybe 
have, have, is there something wrong with our scouting in the terms of the players that we've signed recently often are have quite bad injury records, so we're wondering why we've pursued some of them. And I'm just throwing out names like Alberto Moreno, who was notoriously for, for being injured. You had Coughlin that's had injury problems. Alcacer's a bit of a different one where he was injured for quite a while, but it's also sort of come back. But even Juan Foyth is a bit of an injury known at Tottenham sort of things. So I'm just wondering if maybe we... Maybe there's something a bit more to it than just the, the COVID impact on pre-season and has been injured more. But I don't know. How, how do you feel about that, Alan? Because I don't think we've discussed it really. Good, good question. I mean, I think you I think you obviously are aware of players' um, injury um, characteristics, so to speak, or at least their history when you're when you're scouting them. But that's always one of those questions where you ask yourself, okay, so this player was injured. Um, you know, two or three times, is that a, is that something therefore I need to shy away from them or, or not? I mean, and it's, and it's really hard to know. I guess that's a decision that you have to make and, um, and it has to be balanced out by other things. Um, in the case of Moreno, he was coming on a free and he's, when he's been healthy, he's been good. Um, in Foyth, um, Maybe a bit of a, well, I mean, he's, he's on loan officially. So, you know, maybe again, it's one of those things where you sort of have to con- consider everything. I mean, Raul, you, you're, you're a coach. What do you, what do all these injuries tell you as, in terms of if, if you were coaching a team with this many injuries, would you wonder what you need to change about training or, or is, is this just a bad luck? Um, well, I think that, funnily thought, uh, my team has had more or less the same problem. Having <laughs> <laughs> muscle injuries after precision. In our case, we were on a break for a long time because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The regional mm-hmm. competition didn't start. Right. So. So we you, had had that. An, you had an and, even longer break, yeah. Yeah. Um, we we have been thinking a lot about maybe we are doing something wrong. And with the case of Villarreal, I see it the same way. When you have a lot of muscle injuries on the team, you may wonder if you are doing something wrong because that's not so normal. Yeah, you had players like... Coquelin that had a long, uh, a long record of injuries, and when you scout them, you are aware of, of that, or you should be aware of that. Mm-hmm. That's something mm-hmm. that when you scout, you should know. So I don't know, but I think that I'm pretty sure that inside the office they are thinking about all these injuries they have had. They have had. I'm sure they have to be because it's it's not. I mean, Coquelin is Coquelin is a, is a is a case of um, a player who has picked up a number of injuries, but at least they've been pretty much contact injuries, albeit as Robin said, maybe injuries where you wouldn't have thought the contact would have done that much. The thing that I find really troubling is the number of 
continued muscle injuries. And it seems as almost everybody on the squad has, has missed a week or two here and there with, with muscle injuries. And I don't, I've, I've never seen, it, it almost seems as if we, a player plays really well one week, you, you know, Kapu comes over here, has some great games and then is injured. Um, you know, Moy has missed time with muscle, with muscle issues. Um, certainly Gerard has, certainly Paco. Has, I mean, pretty much everybody has, I think. And it's, yeah, I think you have to be asking questions about, um, is there something in our fitness regime that needs to be changed? Is there something, um, in terms of how we're, I don't, is the workload during the week, um, appropriate for what's for for what's happening i don't know certainly um emory is a very uh experienced coach and is used to dealing with these things but you do wonder especially when we've been through a period where we've had a lot of a lot of midweek matches it seems that's really hurt us yeah well, that definitely might might be it I, I it's not something it's something that is kind of like just come into my head recently. It's not something I actually thought of beforehand in terms of that. I mean, muscle injuries could probably stretch to pretty much any kind of injury altogether, doesn't it? Obviously, I mean, like we have muscles all over our body. So again, it's a bit of a daft thing to say, I know, but like maybe it's not going to the full extent of exactly what they are. I mean, it'd be different kinds of injuries. I, I mean, maybe I, again, clutching the straws, maybe it's possibly the formation that we're playing. I mean, like, we spent years four four two. Is there really that much difference in terms of physicality? I mean, four three three is a more kind of sprinting forward needed than possibly a four four two. I don't know. Maybe again, I'm clutching at straws trying to look for a reason, but there's, there's not a really obvious reason why why we're getting all these injuries. But I, I do feel that we're probably getting more injuries than other teams. Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is that kind of the case? Do you, do you two feel that as well? That we're more injury prone than other teams, or? Uh, I may uh, something. So, well, we have had all these injuries, but the fitness coach is new. Mm. He mm. comes from the Cantera. Uh, he is Mario Segarra, but he's new to this state. Uh, at the same time, Emery comes from uh, bigger teams. And maybe the players weren't so used to to the demands of Emery. Mm. Maybe Calleja and Escriba weren't so much demanding mm. in training. Maybe mm-hmm. the injuries could come from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you said the Escriba fit- definitely. Yeah, <laughs> he was like the laziest manager ever. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Escriba really did set up his teams more to be. Um, they were pretty passive, I think, and in, and certainly in terms of um, in terms of how they how they just sort of body language on the pitch and sort of what I remember of his period. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I think it's we had for a while. I mean, we. I mean, of course, Marcelino is an extreme case, but we had Marcelino, who was a who's a real fitness nut, and before him, we had. Um, we had Garrido, who was um, very, 
sort of mentally challenging. I don't know if he was as physically challenging on the players. Um, and it almost seemed like when, when Marcelino left, we sort of went the other way with, with Escriba. Um, but that's a good, that's a good point that Raul makes that the, that the fitness coaches knew Emery is, I, I'm sure at Arsenal, he was used to having more, more support staff to deal with. And maybe, maybe, um, that's an issue too. I don't know. And, and yeah, sorry. Go on. Carry on. <laughs> no, I was just going to say we're not going to be able to figure it out here, but I but I think these are probably the sorts of discussions that, as Raul said, are happening in the front office too. Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> um, so given that we've got all these injuries, could we do it? Be doing a better job? Are there things we could be doing better or differently to compensate for them? Um, I guess I'm just throwing that out there in terms of you mentioned the formations, Robin, but I don't know. Do you guys have role? Do you have any thoughts on what we should be doing to actually hold on to a lead and win? <laughs> well, in that case, I think one of the first questions is if we are creating enough, enough chances. Mm, I mm. much that we had Baca at front and he was trying to uh, ask for the ball, for long balls to go to the goal. And the play was a bit slower, more positional. Mm -hmm. And I think that was against Cuesca, yes. maybe? Yes. And seeing that match, my first thought was why we don't get a bit more risky trying to get to the goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? So I think that maybe we are having that problem. That problem doesn't appear when Gerard is playing because he can drop back. Mm -hmm. He can do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And we don't have any player doing that. That's, yeah, that's very noticeable that the big, uh, when he was in that first half um, against Elche, where you, where you see him, he's continually that link between, I would say, our deep midfield or, or our back four winning the ball and playing it forward and then starting a counterattack. And, and you don't have that with when, when Baca is out there, that's not what he's doing. He's, he's wanting the ball played long to him. So that, so that's a good point. Robin, what do you, do you think, I mean, we've talked before on here, even before some of the injuries about the feeling that our positional play was sometimes slower than we'd like to see it. Does that, do you think that's a factor still? Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's so hard to try and I, I don't want to be negative about it. That's, I'm trying to get my old positive spirit back. <laughs> right. Because um, right. um, I, I feel like I've gone come down this season and it's not just because of COVID. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I definitely recognise that we're, we're slower in midfield and I think we're slower in general on the counter-attacking. We have absolutely zero counter-attacking that I've found. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I, I don't blame Asenko solely for this, but it's so slow in the build-up play. 
you know, there's no quick balls, no quick fire passes or anything like that. It's it's just rock solidly slow. Um, and we're trying, I think in terms of creativity, we're trying to get too much out of Trigueros. Pareco is, is brilliant, brilliant player, but he, I don't know, there's, there's, there's such a diff, there's such quality players, those two, but there's something not connecting there. I, I'm not sure what it is. The, the, we are missing that creative spirit. I, I do wonder, because last season we had the creativity of, of um, Santi Cazola. It hasn't been replaced this season, but I do wonder if Santi Cazola would have been as effective in, in this formation as well. Like in terms of, mm. w- would we be much better with Santi Cazola still in the squad or not? And I, I do think that in some of the some of the cases, some of the games where we've played, some of the the play, like Gerard is absolutely phenomenal. He's, a, he's he's absolutely brilliant. He's creative. He gets the goals and that sort of stuff. I do feel that other players need to step up a bit when he's not there. And if I feel bad saying this because you can see that, but in the game when he came off, we were we were nothing. And I don't know if that was the timing of you know after half time, but we just looked completely lost without him. He brings so much confidence to the squad, and I just feel that we should be. Some of those other players are good enough to build up that confidence to be there and provide that creative spirit without Jared on the pitch. It's just mm-hmm. very frustrating. And again, I'm trying to be positive, but it's it's bloody hard work. It really is. Um, <laughs> I, I think we fundamentally, sorry to wrap it on, I think we need to change the attack setup as well as not the midfield is fine, I think, in terms of speed, but the attack setup in terms of. I, I would like to see Alcacer a bit more wider so he can do those runs and someone playing as the holding striker in, in the middle, whether that's Gerard Fair. I, I can't see Backer playing that role. Again, he's a speed demon. So I think I said this in the comment, but if you remember Chelsea all those years ago, they had Drogba as a centre striker and he was holding up the play so the other players could play it back. And Gerard does this sometimes in the centre, but he's wasted on that. So that's going on a bit of a rant, so I'll let you two cut in on that. Mm. But does that kind of make sense? I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, Raul, it's an interesting point uh, about Santi (laughs) because um, there have definitely been matches, certainly the first, some of them in the first quarter of the season where I remember thinking, oh, we needed, we needed Santi, you know, on the pitch, but I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm not sure that I can't put my finger on what exactly is wrong. Or that, you know, why we aren't scoring more, why we aren't getting more great chances. And uh, Raul, what, what do you think? Maybe we are streaking right now gold. Because I've mentioned Gerard and what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Robin is mentioning uh, Cazorla. And I'm thinking maybe what we think we miss is that player that plays between the lines, connecting midfield, and forwards, mm-hmm. so that we create more chances and get more scoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it and it doesn't seem I I do feel as though at the start of the season Parejo was was um, sort of feeling his way into our system more than you know I think now he's he's definitely much more established in it. But I think you make a good point that whether we're calling it a 4-3-3 or whether we're playing a 4-4-2 or whatever it is that we're doing, we don't have a lot of verticality 
or quick verticality, I would say, in that sort of area, what, just outside the penalty box and between penalty box and mid and midfield. That's where that's where to me our play seems to slow down. It's not so much a criticism of Trigueros and Pareco. It's like because they're both been brilliant this season. I think mm-hmm. in terms yeah, of oh, what absolutely. they do, it's it's we're expecting them. We're expecting that creativity from them, but it's not. It shouldn't be their role. If that makes sense. It's it's like we definitely need something there, but then at the same time, I don't know who we would take out the squad in place of someone, you see, because mm-hmm. I, I would love, I like, I would love, uh, Trigueros is one of my favourite players of Villarreal, he always has been. Agreed. And I really like Pareco, he's a brilliant signing, so I think the creativity probably needs to come back on that more, on the left-hand side of that mid, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's just very difficult, like I, I don't want to criticise Moy either because he's been brilliant as well, but maybe we need a bit more creativity on that left-hand side in terms of like, you know, when we've got Pino or... Again, this isn't really matching the formation we're talking about, but if, if you go to a four-four-two, that left winger was where Cazola played and that was that was brilliant to watch last season. I watched a few highlights from the last game. So, so if we're talking about a four-four-two, should we say, you would have Bureko and Trieros in, in the middle and then you would have a kind of more... I don't know, tricky left winger, left winger player. Maybe that's okay. I'm going off on a tangent again. I realize that, but does that kind of make sense? I'm, I'm trying to work out how to get that creative spark yeah, without yeah. dropping Trigueros Pareco. No, I and you make a good point that I think when we look at players individually, certainly, I mean, I everything you've said about 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 Moy, about um, Manu, about about Parejo, I, I I totally agree with all of those. And I think that I think that's the thing that's a little difficult is that it would be easy if we were saying, oh, this player is not pulling his weight, but or is not is not playing well. But when you look at the individual players, it's you know, yeah, Moy's playing well, Pedraza's playing playing well. Yeah, everybody seems to be playing well, but somehow the end result isn't there. And that's the frustrating bit, is it and I is that it's hard to put your your finger on what exactly is missing i think raul you have a good point about that in between the lines player but how do we get that without how do we get that with the squad we have now and how do we how do we make it work i think that would be great if alex baena or jeremy pino could step up to that i think that maybe baena would be a better fit for that role because both of them are young and they could learn a lot to play that besides what they are already bringing to the table. Mm. Mm. But I think that right now you would need to use one of the players you have available and from the whole team, maybe Moy could be a player for that, but I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe one of the young stars. Yeah, it it is it is difficult book to to figure out because as Robin said, you know, our typically, and I and it's not that we're so much a counterattacking team anymore like we were under Marcelino, but I think the lack of counterattacking um, opportunities speaks to the lack of that sort of 
forward thrust with with some speed that the team just doesn't seem to have right now. Um, and I think we have a lot of very skillful players. We don't tend to have a lot of players who can sort of break it, can, can sort of create space um, just by sheer speed. Um, and so I, you know, I don't know what the solution to that is because we obviously can't go out and change the roster, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it just seems as though right now we're really in a bit of a rut and the fact that we're um, having all the injuries as well on top of that doesn't help. But I think the, I think the point that um, Zach made with his, I forget what that statistic was called, but the, the thing that looks not as expected goals that you're going to score, but the expected, but but the good opportunities. But you know the the teams that we're playing, most of the time we do a good job of of controlling the play. But then they'll get one or two good opportunities a match, and if and if they score on one of those, then we're under the under pressure to to score just to get a draw. And it seems like there's been a lot of that of late. So. I don't know. It was very interesting when I was because I was I was reading that as well, and I think that was definitely the case with the Elche game because those goals were so weird. I think to be I mean, the cross, the first one wasn't so much, but the free kick was a bit peculiar. Yes. You know, in the sense that I don't think anyone remember, and we we all commented on that as well in terms of you know whose fault it was and all that sort of stuff. But it was definitely an element of fatigue in that in that game. But um, so one there was one point I saw on the comments that that made me think as well, which I thought I thought was really cool. Which it might be an interesting idea. It'd be good to see what you two thought of that. But they were talking about Istupinian. I'm going to definitely pronounce it right. But maybe playing him as a left winger and Pedrasa at left back because I think it was that that said. In most games, we end up playing Pedrasa goes into the left wing and Estupinian goes into the left back position. But I'm beginning to think that maybe Estupinian could make a pretty decent left winger, to be fair. And I mean, he's got a cracking cross on him. He's quick and he's good at those runs. So, and uh, sad to say, I don't think Emery really rates him so much, uh, you know, as as we were expecting um, mm. and him to start. So maybe he could be an option for a left winger. And then obviously, if We've got Costa and Alberto Moreno as a left back. Mm. So, what would you two think about maybe playing Estupinian as that left, either left winger, I suppose, in a four-three-three, or left wing on four-four-two? Sorry, the left wing that you, you lot refer to apparently is a bit different to what we refer to it in sort of British English. So, you get my drift. Um, yeah, Raul, what what do you what do you think about that idea? Would be a very interesting idea because right now I don't see any end goal for Stupinian. He's just there, and mm. seems like Emery doesn't want or doesn't trust him to play some of the matches, and maybe putting him left wing. I think that he would excel at that. Yeah, I think. The thing I, the thing I really like about Pedraza, as a, as you know, left wing or whatever you want to call it, is he's the one guy who seems to be able to take on players and get to the byline and cross the ball back. And I don't know how many assists he has this season, but he certainly created 
a number of chances from, from that sort of play. Um, Estepinion is more of a guy who's going to beat a defender to create space to get the cross in, I guess. Um, I like Estepinion. I thought he was a really good purchase when we bought him, and I obviously seem to like him better than, than Emery does or has. Um, it'd be an interesting idea. I'm not sure. In some ways, I'm not sure it would make a lot of difference, but maybe it would. Um, it's worth trying. And as, and as Raul says, otherwise, Estepinion is sort of sitting there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one, but it'd be nice to give him. I mean, normally in most cases, what happens is you have a left winger that loses his pace and ends up being a left left back, doesn't it? That's like yeah. you look at Ashley Young and all those sort of things. Right. If we tried it the other way around, it might work. But, but I mean, in kind of just how you I suppose described Destopinian, that's kind of how I saw Santi playing last season. And I'm de- for not for one minute comparing him to Santi Gazzola. That's, that's, that's a very extreme view, and I don't want that going all over Twitter or whatever. <laughs> but No, we're still we're Tim, still focusing on lawyers' cats, lawyers as cats and things, so it's okay. Yeah, I've just realized this is recorded as well, so it's a bit daft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in terms of left wing, yeah, I, I just think he could offer more on that left wing than Pedrasa can. Yeah. Because I think everyone knows my my views on Pedrosa. I really, really like him. I think he's one of the best, my most favourite players this season, to be honest with you. And I think he's done a good job at left-back, probably better than, well, I don't know. This is going into different territory, isn't it? But when mm-hmm. we've seen Pedrosa on that left wing, you you look at him play, I find it a bit, it looks to me like it's kind of like a waste of his position because he's doing so well at left-back. So what happens is, you know, um, halfway mm-hmm. through the game, he'll they'll bring on Estupinian, uh, and then Pedras goes forward and Estupinian. I, I like to see it the other way around, and I think a few other people said that as well. So it'd be, it'd be an interesting idea just to see what what would happen. Yeah. You know, and I think he can take on players with the pace he has, doesn't he? So maybe. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was a tangent again. No, <laughs> well, that's that's an interesting thought. Um, let's take a let's take a short break and then when I come back I want to talk about the Virial side that has not had a draw all season has lost only once you can you, all of you can be saying okay who, who are we talking about so Raul ha- will have some insights we'll be right back okay so in case you didn't figure it out the team I was mentioning, the Villarreal side that has only one lost only once all season, has no draws, and the rest wins is our is our um, ladies side, the Feminina A team. And Raúl, you've been you've been watching their matches. Um, you're able to see more of them than we are, I think. And um, it's. Uh, they're going to be in the playoffs and tell us about what makes them exciting to watch and what makes them good to watch. Well, the, my first thought when I saw a match was that the team is, uh, has a lot of work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, their system 
it really like it a lot and after watching uh, I don't know how to say it but the coach Sermon Forte had uh, man <laughs> I don't know uh, the word <laughs> but okay <laughs> it was in Spanish and I'll give you a go yeah. <laughs> Ponencia <laughs> uh, mm, <not> I'll say. <laughs> I'll try. I tried. Spanish okay. classes. I'll get. A, I'll get a refund. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me explain a bit. For us coaches, we have some uh, meetings where we talk football, and some big name is doing the talk, is bringing out out the topics. So. Okay, so it's it's like a conference, but it's a yeah, a conference. A conference, okay. It it was more or less like a conference, and Sarah Monforte was was talking about how she views the women's football, and in that conference, she also talked about how she started with Villarreal in a four-three-three with the wingers been wide open but she wanted to do a press after loss so she decided to put the wingers inside mm -hmm. so therefore you are in a 4-3-3 wingers inside that way you have the rival defensive line all together mm. because wingers would be between center backs and footballs, full backs, while the uh, center forward would be between the two center backs. Mm -hmm. That way, you are making it narrower and you have all the channel, all the lateral channel for your runs, mm -hmm. for your full backs. Right. So, yeah, Robin? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sounds yeah, it sounds more like a sort of narrow four three three, doesn't it? More more narrow than kind of wider than what we what you expect from a standard four three three, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this in this case, the center forward dropped back to the midfield to help to build the play. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's also. A, Similar to a four-four-two in diamond, but it's four-three-three when you watch them press when they don't have the ball. Okay. So they play with that, and sometimes depending how the match is going, or some of the subs, or if one of the forwards is not available, they go with a four-four-two in diamond. Okay. Like for example, last match against Juventud Almasora, Salma was not there, so it was a bit more, at that moment, it was a bit weird, because uh, her team has also a lot of rotation. Mm -hmm. The left winger will sweep, will swap places with the right winger, the forward may end up in the wings, so... It's very mobile, the team. 
Hmm. And one of the, you, you mentioned Salma, who is um, one of the young stars of the team. And um, of course, she is a track athlete as well. And so she, she does miss matches sometimes for for track events, but she's definitely a player with uh, speed to burn. So um, having her drop back in that, in that, you know, four, three, three, and then, and then being able to sprint forward um, and beat a defender is, uh, is a pretty, is a pretty neat thing to be able to do. So, I mean, Soma's gotten, gotten more attention, I think on the VRL site because of her unique, the dual sport background, but who are some of the other players that are really key for the women's side? Well, there's a lot to talk there. First, the goalkeeper is Elena de Toro. She played for Fundación Albacete in Primera for the whole seasons they were there, and uh -huh. she was the starters. And watching watching highlights from their last few matches, I can see how important that is because one of the if you, if you have a really good goalkeeper in a women's side, um, because the the matches are more wide open, um, being able to to make good saves but also start good counterattacks is really key, and she can certainly do that. Um, so she okay. So goalkeeper is is uh, is a key. Who else do we have that's that that stuck out when you've watched? The captain, Lara Mata. She's a center back, plays on the right, and you you will see he, her a lot of times receiving the ball and uh, launching a long ball either to Salma or to the other forwards. Mm -hmm. She played also in Primera for 19 songs for Zaragoza Femenino, not related to Real Zaragoza, mm -hmm. the Spanish, the men's team. They are two different teams. Right. And one of the things that's interesting, I mean, I guess it's been about three years ago, Three or four years ago now, it hasn't been that long that the that Virial um, Senior Raj decided to really push on with the idea of getting of, of making a bigger deal out of out of women's soccer, women's football, um, because for a long time the Virial had um, women's sides, but they were more they were definitely most of the players were amateur or um, part time, and it was. I think almost a, 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 a well, not quite a pay-to-play thing, but but there was not a lot of money invested into it, and and um, then with the growth of the game in Spain, um, the women's game, I think the I think the opportunities to push forward um, are greater, and he certainly you, you mentioned um, you mentioned Lara and uh, and Elena Toro, and and those are two players that with Primera experience that we went out and got. And that's, that's really, um, that's really, I think a key for this side. They played very well last year. And I, I think the COVID um, 
shutdown really hurt us because I think we, we might well have made the playoffs last year and been a promotion candidate, but the team is even yeah. better this year, right? Yeah, it was, they had a strong team, and but also you had Santa Teresa that got promoted, uh, Granada, Fundación Albacete, they were also strong teams. This season, what has changed is that you have gained some more experience for the team and some youngsters that could be very good mm -hmm. in the future. So all that, plus what you already had, is something that has changed from mm -hmm. one season to the other. And right now, I think that would be like a sure bet that they will, they will gain promotion to Primera. Well, I hope you're right. That's that's a that's a bold prediction, but they they certainly played well enough so far to uh, to justify that. How many teams go up to to the Primera each year? Uh, right now, only two teams will go up. Okay. In this case, we have uh, two groups: the Segunda Norte and Segunda Sur. Villarreal is part of Segunda Sur. Due to COVID, they decided to have promotions but no relega relegations. So you have more teams than the last season and mm -hmm. they have done two groups at the same time. So you have Sur A and Sur B. Villarreal plays for Sur B. Once you have played against all the teams in your group. Two times, the top four will join the top four from the Sur A to play the last group. And from there, only one team will gain promotion. Okay. And so, so far, we've, we've um, with our last win, we are, if, I'm, if I understand right, we've guaranteed ourselves the championship, the, the first place in this group. So, yeah. and, and so I would have to say, looking at that, that the other, um, the other teams that are in our group, um, that will, that will finish second, third and fourth and become part of the playoff group. We would have to figure that we're have to be favored compared to them because we have beaten them pretty handily already. Um, so in the South, okay, so I'm looking like in the, so in the South, we've got, yeah, where are we? Um, so we are leading in, in group one, in group B by um, 12 points. And say we will finish, we will finish first um, there. The second, the other group is pretty tight. Um, Pozo Albenza, who I believe we played last year, didn't we? And I think we may maybe lost one of the matches to them. They're they're leading um, the other group, but then Granada, Cordoba, Cáceres, um, Tenerife, but, but they're all pretty close. So um, I'd have to feel, as you say, pretty good about um, our chances. Although I don't know to what. It, the fact that that other group is so competitive and doesn't have anybody running away with it, I'm not sure 
if that means that the other that the top four teams are simply very evenly matched or what. But um, it would be great to have them in the to have them in the Primera. I think that would be wonderful. So far, what I've seen from the other group, I would say that Villarreal is the best one of the of both groups. Okay. Could be a very interesting one, but I I've seen some matches of them and I don't see anything to remember. Someone who's coming from a country who isn't isn't famous for our female football teams and, and really as much as the rest of the world. Just out of interest, because Alan also you're. Coming from the US, I know that the, the female football side is actually really, really growing there. It's been, always been very popular in there. Mm-hmm. What, what mm-hmm. do you two find is the sort of... Because I, I don't... When I look at the... I've seen a few sort of uh, women's football. They're very, very different. I don't think there's either, like, when you look at them, that one is better than the other. And I'm sure there's a lot of sexist, misogynistic people that think otherwise to that. But... What do you two see as the fundamental differences between the men's game and the female female game? Um, just out of interest. Well, that's, that's a good question. That's a good question, Rob. I'll tell you what I see from a from a fan's perspective, um, which is that I think um, the the there are. It feels to me as though the the women's matches that I've seen, you know, obviously there are things that you, that you are going to miss compared to the men's game because you, because you just don't, you have players with excellent skills, but they, but they're not as powerful maybe as, as the men are. So you, so there are aspects of that that you don't see, but the teamwork I think is really, is really excellent. I just enjoy the, the fact that the game seems very wide open. It's less Maybe I'm wrong, but it's it strikes me as being a little. Um, coaches are more willing to be wide open and take chances and have fun. Um, <laughs> they're not yet being judged in terms of uh, you know are you going to keep your job at Real Madrid kind of thing. Um, I just I just think it's a it's a it's a nice um, it's nice to see. A match where the players are interested in getting on with the game and not all the, um, you know, histrionics when they when they uh, are tackled or something. I, I just I, I find the game is it's a lot it's a lot cleaner. It's, it flows fast. It's faster. It's easier to watch in that sense. It's kind of the anti hatafe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes me wonder what the Getafe female side is like. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Bordelos doesn't coach them, so maybe 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 it won't be so bad. But Raúl, how do you see it as as a coach between between the two the two games? How how do you see the difference between men's and women's? Well, one of the main difference that's also because at least I talk from Spain is that our Women are not so, how I would say, trained as the men. Mm-hmm. So the game lacks a bit of positional play in the sense of attacking positionally. But they have a, a great mind for tactical positioning. So they, don't, they know more or less where they have to be and how to move. 
but at the same time they don't tend to try to make runs for the ball mm, mm. also the play is more vertical they attack more vertically yes and something that i think they would improve them to so people what's them more is that they don't tend to put so many balls inside the area mm-hmm. that's something i've also noticed about the game besides that that's what you said alan they go there and try to have fun the coaches are not like the men's team that they have to win at all costs so you see a better technical play in that case mm-hmm. you don't have so many fouls but at the same time the pace is a bit slower if you recall one of the matches of Villarreal I was counting the passing game of the team mm-hmm. and the whole team did 335 passes and that And they were a possession team. Right. In a men's team, that number is a small number for a whole match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, as you say, Spain is one of the countries where women's um, football has become much more popular and, and, and in recent years at the at the national level too i mean the the national team is starting to to do things more um i think but i think you make a good point that one of the strengths when i think about the american women's team one of the strengths is exactly the thing that you mentioned that the that the spain hasn't done so much which is the um sort of width of play and i guess um just the Play, playing the ball into the box more. Um, it does seem as though one of the differences is the the amount of time that the that the ball is actually in the area with a with a bunch of players around it. That's a, that's a good that's a good point. Um, I think it's I think it's really fun fun to watch. I think for somebody like me who doesn't play the the game anyway, it's not. It's a little easier, I think, to to watch the um, to watch the women's side, and I don't know. But I think for for me, there's also a bit of um, when you see these matches at at, at uh, stadiums like the or grounds like the one where the, where the last video clip is from. It, it it there's there's always something of a good feeling of grassroots football. <laughs> I mean, yep. and uh, and and obviously, if we get to the Primera, that that can change, and that and that's fine too. But um, yes and no. Hmm. Yes and no. Yes and uh, no. The teams that play in Primera are playing or at Ciudad Deportivas, or they are loaning one of the big stadiums of the city. Okay. So some of the teams. Like for example, Athletic, they tend to play in the 
field number one of the Ciudad Deportiva Lezama, right. which is the only training. for 11 a site. Right. But, for example, Betis tends to use a field where you have the yellow lines of 8 a site, too. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so it's... Well, that's something that... So if, if the women um, got promoted, we could expect to see them play in, like, the... the um, the mini study where the Virial B play, possibly, but we wouldn't see them at the at the Ceramica, you're saying? Well, all depends what Villarreal has in mind, because, for example, Barcelona Femenino has played at Camp Nou one match, mm. Athletic played in San Mamés, Atletico has played also in Wanda Metro Metropolitano, mm -hmm. and so so all depends what Villarreal wants to do. Right. Well, I, I think it's really great that the women are doing as well as they are. I hope you haven't put too much pressure on them by, by uh, you know, putting them down for promotion. I don't think so. I think I, I tend to agree with, with you, although I haven't seen the teams in the other group. But I, they look pretty good. And I wish we could find a way to take some of that speed from – you know, that Salma's got and, and find a way to use that in the men's first team. Because <laughs> I think that's, as we were saying earlier, that, that the, the speed demon is something we're missing. And, and for, uh, for the men's team, I would prefer a player like Sheila because she's the one dropping back ah, okay. in the line. Ah, okay. Salma tends to drop back, but to help in defense to recover balls more than the other time. Sheila is the one helping to build the play. Okay, so so Sheila, if you listen to this, <laughs> go and go and see Coach Emery and tell him that Raúl has uh, <laughs> thinks you thinks you can help the men's team. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, well that's that's great. It's really good to to hear about the women, and we you know we do try to give some coverage on our website, and hopefully next year we'll be able to cover them in the Primera. Any last thoughts from either of you about anything else before we wrap up? Uh, no. Like, <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to the Betis game just because, you know, I want to see what we can do even with an injury-ridden squad. But also, yeah, I suppose, it's, is it Pellegrini's returning again? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So. It might just end up, if we lose to him, might end up bringing a lot of reminiscing um, for, for other days, but um, but no, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to the game. I, I always look forward to the VRL game on the weekend, even if it's another ruddy draw. Right. Um, right. Yeah, how about you two? What, what are you thinking about bestest game? I suppose we have to address it rather than avoid the issue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th well, to be honest, I think given the injuries and and of course we're losing uh, Manu Trigueros this week for yellow card accumulation. Um, you know, I've I'll take a draw at this point <laughs> for once <laughs> because they're behind us. And I, you know, a draw keeps us, keeps us, uh, keeps that distance the same. So I obviously I'd love for us to win, but I think, um, you know, well, a draw is, a draw is maybe going to be on the cards. We'll see. What do you reckon? Well, I would say that, Besides the match against Betis, that same day, more teams from Villarreal will be playing. 
show and they will be broadcasted by Villarreal. So I would take them out a bit. Okay. So what you're saying is avoid watching our first team altogether and just watch some other good games, which is probably <laughs> a very, very good advice, to be honest with you. It just save, saves the nerves and the, and the stress and the anger. And even as even Alan admitted last week that he wanted to avoid being around anything that he could throw around yes, after that yes, game. Yes. You've got to admit that on a podcast, Alan, because you're normally the most chilled out of all of us. <laughs> oh, yes, but not, but not when we blow a two-goal lead to a team that's in the bottom three, no? No, 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 no. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, on that on that note, let's wrap it up. Thank you, thank you, guys. It's been great to great to talk with you, Raul, especially with you because because it, it's been far too long. And thank you for everything today. So, for Robin and Raul, this is Alan saying Endavant Viral, Endavant Viral Feminina, and uh, we'll see how we how we get on from here.